0: Welcome to Living Stones, a podcast of conversations with the people of Red Mountain Community Church, highlighting the victories and struggles, the snapshots and stories of the people sitting right next to you on Sunday morning. I'm Peter Franson from Spirit Blade Productions and your fellow seat warmer at Red Mountain Community Church. My co-host today is Jessica Garcia, our pastor of worship arts, a.k.a. the nicest Darth Vader you could possibly have. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> Whoa, what does that
0: mean? Um, I was thinking about this, and uh, uh, some people may not know that you were my intern for six months.
1: Mm-hmm. I always try to dig back into any history I have
0: with my co-hosts, yep. and uh, so I was uh, the worship pastor for two years at uh, our church, and it was six months, right, that you interned? I does think that, so. Does that sound yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so all these years later, I was so excited to hear uh, when you were being hired, but I did think of... Um, Episode four of Star Wars, and okay. imagine you saying, "And if Austin was here, I'd maybe have him do the ho purr You got to have the ho purr you know the,
1: uh-huh.
0: you know. But uh, the circle <laughs> is now complete. When I left, when I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you have, have you ever thought about that. Oh that yeah. Before, but, uh,
1: well, and what a, I mean, what an incredible <laughs> privilege it is to have you as a singer on the worship team now. Oh, I love it. It's incredibly humbling and feels ridiculous that I would be leading you in some way, but it's a super privilege to well, have you on there.
0: I love it. I stayed away from the music ministry for years because you know, I didn't want to like haunt that ministry, you know. Yeah. So I really wanted to make sure that if I ever got involved again, it would be well down the line and you know, I you know, it would it would not be weird, you know. So hopefully it hasn't <laughs> been weird, but I'm I'm so happy to be serving under your leadership now. You, and I think I've told you this before. Um, I know I've told Alan and other people, but you're doing things with the uh, the worship arts ministry that I only hoped and dreamed about it eventually becoming and doing when I was leading it. And oh. so, uh, and I, I know that the job puts a, a big target for criticism on your forehead, which can be especially hard for us creative artistic people, you know, who's, <laughs> who, you know, our sensitivity makes our work possible, you know, but it comes mm-hmm. with its weak, you know, weaknesses too. And so, uh, thank you for enduring that and all your other unseen struggles that we don't know about. I really appreciate it. Oh, well, it. yeah,
1: absolutely. It's uh, a privilege.
0: But I mean, just so you know, if our relationship ever goes south, <laughs> be warned that if you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. So, No doubt. Um, <laughs> all right. So I have been kind of on a roll with this question um, with the pastors. And so I want to ask you, too, what would you say is the most fun or natural part of your job? And then what would you say is the hardest or most, cha- or most challenging part? Just given kind of how you're wired.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I think for sure the hardest part, uh, well, I don't even know if it's the hardest part, but just the, for me, the like equipment management Side mm, okay. of my job is the part that bums me out the most, probably, <laughs> just things constantly breaking Ugh. and not, or you know, just things that constantly need to be updated or replaced or repaired, um, in in a nitty gritty sense, just really like bums me out. Oh man! <laughs> and I never feel equipped to like, you know, I'm not I'm not a super gear. Okay. i okay i've never been like super into gear okay um so when stuff breaks or doesn't work it, it just stresses me out usually oh. and and it happens so much like you you would not imagine just the constant the constant merry-go-round of just things that that need to be addressed oh i'm sure just on a like it in a tech technological gear kind of way so but i mean Yeah. So that's the thing that comes to mind is just like the things that I think about in the week as I'm approaching a week that I don't look forward to are those things. Okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But the thing that I enjoy most or find most rewarding, which is kind of hard to articulate, there's a lot of things, but I mean, the top thing is just seeing, seeing God and his people both sides taking taking the opportunity that we create on a Sunday morning to actually connect and have fellowship mm-hmm. and and so on the side of God it's so rewarding and incredible to ever to see him do you know to him for him to use those moments that I've in some way you know feebly prepared that and, and you there are moments where you know that God has just divinely done something. Yeah. Um to to speak to people or to reveal himself or and, and you know that God has taken that and actually empowered it with the spirit yeah. and used it in some way. In
0: ways that you couldn't have orchestrated yourself. Yes, yeah, yeah
1: absolutely. Yeah. Which is which is just infinitely humbling and rewarding. Um, and then on the side of the people too, seeing, Mm. seeing them take step into opportunities to actually lift up, to infuse the words of our songs with themselves and their own stories and their own praises and prayers Mm. and, and hearing from them and, you know, hearing that they, that this song articulated for them something that they needed to say to God Mm. Um, or in a corporate sense too, not just individually. Um, we as a people articulating something that we need to say to God, um, and choosing to step into that. That's, that's super humbling and, and just rewarding because, yeah. And of course, God is, God is always present with us and we're always with God. So in a sense, you know, Sunday morning isn't like the only time that we ever connect with God. Mm-hmm. But at the same time I do think that there is something specific about that form of connection with God. And yeah. that that moment of fellowship with him, with the body. Um so that's definitely the most yeah. rewarding. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you get a front row seat to see yes. that kind of thing happen. I really love seeing aha moments with people you know Mm -hmm. when they like you know realize something like you I think you're wired a bit to teach too but I mean what you're what you're talking about has some crossover with teaching and that's a bit how I'm wired and it's so exciting to see those aha moments when people are like oh you know I get this or oh this this means something to me or this you know so uh, being in the position that you're in it must be so cool to just be able to see those kinds of moments yeah with people
1: absolutely and the like the other part of it that's so simultaneously the best part and the worst part about my job is like the team aspect of it and just mm. seeing, seeing you know, working together with people and relying on them for your vision in some sense is hard, mm, yeah. but in another sense is the most rewarding mm. thing too. To I mean, Stations of the Cross is a great example of just seeing all of these different people's strengths and contributions mm. coming together. And God using that and fitting them together. Um, that's, that's like such a, I, I don't even know how to describe the feeling of that, but mm. so rewarding and so exciting. And um, yeah, seeing God using the strengths of all these different people mm-hmm. to create something as a whole. Mm. That's yeah. cool.
0: Well, you are so wired for the work you do. I love seeing you do it. Um, Okay, so let's see how you're wired in another way. We haven't done a would you rather question in a while. <laughs> okay. So the question this time is, would you rather eat your entire diet cold or overcooked?
1: Hmm. Uh in the first scenario, how do I die? <laughs>
0: And in the second scenario, how do I die? How do, you, how do you die? How does death come into this? Yeah, how
1: do we, yeah, I mean, can you flesh out these would you rather scenarios? Yeah, 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 I guess so.
0: Um, I, are you assuming that food is going to kill you somehow? Or like, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just, yeah,
1: uh, I guess, hmm, I mean, the cold one would probably be easier, I would think. There's a lot of food that you could actually eat cold. That's meant to be eaten cold.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I even eat pizza cold.
0: Mm, really? Yeah. Y- is that a preference?
1: Um, it's a preference if it's not fresh.
0: Okay. Like wow, if it's really? been sitting
1: okay. in the fridge, I'd rather eat it cold than okay. try to heat it up and manufacture mm,
0: freshness wow, again. That's interesting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: But there's nothing that's meant to be eaten overcooked. Like that would always just taste bad, I would hmm.
0: think. I think you got a point there. I think but what are you gonna do with soup? Are you well, gonna are you gonna eat cold soup?
1: i just forget about soup. I'd just grieve the loss of soup. <laughs> and just say goodbye.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or chili. Soup
1: is out of yeah, no. Oh,
0: no. Yeah.
1: That wouldn't be a huge loss though.
0: Yeah. Oh I'm, I'm not
1: hugely into chili,
0: but I'm torn. I was thinking that I would want to go with uh warm, but I think you've sold me on cold. Ugh, this is a You ter- were going
1: to go with overcooked?
0: I think so, yeah. Because I tend to like... Um, I'm more of a savory guy than a sweet guy. And savory foods generally are warmer foods, you know? And if something is overcooked... I mean, it doesn't mean that it's burned. It just means overcooked. And Mm-mm. I think that's fine. And sometimes even when something's a little bit burned, it can add... Just a little bit of like tang or something to that savory flavor. That uh, you know, there are some things that I like to have a little black on them. You know, Hmm. so like what? um, I'm trying to think. Well, nothing's coming to mind now that you (laughs) ask me. Come on now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, All right. What else? Oh, yeah, we got to try and transition into meaningful topics now. This we should maybe take a second look at the skeleton, the structure of this thing. But anyway, no, <laughs> no. it's fine. It's fine. All right. We're just going to barrel through everybody. Um, so earlier today, Jessica and I spent some time talking with Gray Leesberg, which I was really looking forward to. Um, she has uh, had just been through some valleys in life, but has also experienced community um, in the local church, specifically Red Mountain, that helped bring her out of that and bring her to a place of just spiritually growing and flourishing. Um, It's a a great story. Uh, So let's not delay anymore. We'll get to that conversation right now. Thanks for doing this, Gray. I really appreciate it. It's uh, not... Uh, an easy thing. Even Jessica, as upfront as she, you know, is all the time, was saying, "I'm kind of nervous about doing this hosting, this co-hosting thing."
1: Yeah, <laughs> so, just your casual self.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so thanks for being willing to do this. Um, we got one uh, question from a. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if this was a joke question or if this is like an in-joke, something that you know about. <laughs> but the question we got from uh, listeners was for you: is How much wood? would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood?
2: I was wondering if you'd get that question or not. I submitted that one for (laughs) (laughs) you.
0: Nice. Nice. Do you have a response to that? Or is that really something that's just on your heart? That's just something
2: that's constantly running through my mind. It's just like for some reason I'll just be going through my day and randomly just think. How much would what a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? Yeah. Like how much? Just exactly how much? <laughs> and
0: apparently they can't. I mean, I don't know any I mean, the question implies they can't. I don't know any enough about woodchucks. These are are these birds we're talking about? Is that what a woodchuck is?
2: No. I it's not a <laughs> <like, laughs> bird. I have them as like a mentally like a rodent like creature, like kind yeah. of like a beaver. Okay. I think it is a beaver.
1: Is it not the same? I have no idea.
0: <clears throat> and chucking is that the act of Throwing, you know, like tossing—that's how they give you. Chuck that over here, or is it like some kind of like a munching kind of thing?
2: Or an up chuck?
0: Or an up chuck, yeah. Oh, that changes the question a lot, doesn't it? All right. Um, so now let's let's get into like some of the other reasons that we had wanted to have you on. Here. Um, you have uh, like a lot to your story that I have really been curious about because uh, I. Got to know you a little bit years ago when, when we were hosting a monthly game night at our house for the, the College Twenties group, and uh, you started coming to those, and I just, uh, just sensed, I was like, this is a girl who's in a valley, you know, she's just in a dark place. And, uh, and I was so glad that you came every time and sometimes you didn't play the game. You just would sit around and just be there. And I was, I was like, man, I'm so great. I'm grateful that this, that she wants to come, <laughs> even though like these nerdy games aren't always her thing or whatever, you know? And so, but I was always wondering, I was like, gosh, I wonder what's going on inside. And, you know, we had some conversations, but you always want to be careful not to probe into what isn't your business and stuff. And so, but then, uh. You know after holly and i were done serving in that ministry i would see you every now and the, now and again in the in the lobby and just passing and stuff and i s- started seeing like the stop motion photography version of, of gray that i could just tell things were changing you're like you carried yourself differently you you talked differently with with more confidence and uh, and uh, peace and contentment you know you were just like you had a sureness or a comfort with yourself that i was like what is going on with gray you know Mm -hmm. and so i have been really just in anticipation of having this conversation so um but start us with the the home you grew up in how would you describe the home you grew up in
2: um so my family home when i was very young it was great because i lived in illinois till i was about seven I don't remember any bad memories from when I was in Illinois, just a lot of fun um, going when the creek was frozen over and just skating over it, all that joyful stuff. Um, But when I came out here to Arizona, we just started getting more competitive, I guess, in the home environment, because I'm the youngest of four, so they'd always kind of compare me to my siblings and be like, oh, well, your sister got straight A's in this, and so then that was my precedent that I had to follow. Mm. Um, And then there was a whole thing with me jumping around from school to school, because none of them worked for me, and my siblings got to stay at home and be homeschooled, so there was a little Mm. bit more competition and tension and weirdness. Um, It was just, we weren't a very close family. It was pretty divided, Um, which I, I love my family, don't get me wrong, I love them, they're awesome. Um, it was just it was pretty rough and then my parents did get divorced when I was about 10 which then even furthered that divide even more and just made it hard because you kind of felt like you had to pick a side you know like do I want to be mom's friend do I want to be dad's friend it's just it's really hard when you're 10 years old dealing with all the (laughs) Hmm. stuff that you're dealing with in junior high and then also dealing with Am I going back to mom's this weekend? Am I at dad's? At dad's, I'm not going to have any food because my siblings won't help me cook, and I can't cook because I'm only ten. <laughs> Jeez. Um, so it was it was rough, and I know that definitely has even played a big role in my adult life. Like I still don't have normal eating habits sometimes, just because mm-hmm. I was so used to not really knowing where I would get the food from or how I would cook it or anything. Like I lived off brownies a lot. Oh man. A lot of brownies. Gotta love grandmas. There is an upside to that, <laughs> yeah. I suppose, right? <laughs> but not like it just gave me a bit of a heartburn. So I mean uh, yeah, yeah. you take the victories where you can. But yeah. It yeah. was just it was just tense and divided mm. for a lot of the time and we would go to church together, like a Catholic church. Okay. But like none of us really believed at all. So okay. it was just you didn't really see any like daily reminder of like Jesus is love for you. Like that just wasn't a norm in our house.
0: Yeah. What would you say were maybe some negative experiences that you had in that environment or as you were growing up that you that you think significantly shaped your personality and your outlook?
2: Um, I mean definitely like as I mentioned, the hard part for me when My parents split up was trying to find out how to fend for myself Mm -hmm. Um, because my mom worked, I think, three jobs at a time. My dad was dealing with some stuff on his own, so he wasn't around as much, especially emotionally. Like, I love him. He just, it, it was just a rough time for all of us. So I learned that I had to take care of myself very quickly, and I grew up very fast, so Most people are shocked when they find out my age. They're like, oh, I thought you were like five years older than you actually are. Mm, I'm like, nope, I just have to act like an adult because that was kind of the norm that I've had. So um, because of everything and because of feeling like I never had help or if I had help, then someone was going to be like, oh, well, you owe us this because we drove you to soccer practice or something. Mm. Um, It was very, it has been very hard for me to accept help from other people. Mm. Um, and that's been a wall that <laughs> we've been trying to break down for a really, really long time and it's just barely starting to come down mm. a little bit at a time.
0: Mm. Mm. Do you remember what you were thinking, if anything, about God during like that time of life?
2: Yeah. So I've actually been reflecting on that lately. Um, we like, it wasn't even that I was apathetic towards God. Like I was angry at God and I hated him. Like, and I didn't. Obviously, I was a kid, so you don't have good reasonings for anything. But I just... I just hated him. Like, when I was in school, they made you say the Pledge of Allegiance every day. And I refused to say One Nation Indivisible under God. Hmm. Like, I would just say One Nation Indivisible under. And hmm. then just continue on with the rest. Like hmm. I, And I don't even remember a set point that made me just so against him. I don't know if it's because I knew... That my life was hard and that I felt like I wasn't loved, and I felt like why am I getting all of this? You know, I'm only like nine. I'm not that smart at that point. But <laughs> it it was just so passionately against him. And it still just baffles me to think that. Cause even in those moments, I still wanted to be involved in like church things. Like I hated God. Hmm. But I still was like I really want to go up and, like, be part of that worship team Mm. at this church that I'm going to. Mm, mm -hmm. Mm. So it was just this weird, weird thing. It's almost like God's been pursuing me. (laughs) Crazy.
0: Almost. (laughs) Almost. Um, So when would you say that you initially decided to trust in Jesus for forgiveness and uh, for rescue in whatever form you might have had in mind? and, And how did that come about?
2: So... I started more regularly coming to Red Mountain um, right when I was in my second semester of freshman year of high school. Okay. Um, So, like, I kind of went out of obligation for a while and then also just an escape from my house because I wanted just a space to exist, not around my family.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, And I went to a summer camp between my sophomore and junior year of high school, I believe. And it was at that camp that, like... I came to accept Jesus. But the crazy thing for me that I still think about is it was on like what they call the cry night where everyone's like, oh, you know, everyone's just crying. (laughs) Sobbing is beautiful. Totally (laughs) picture worthy. Um, But they asked anyone who had found Jesus through the week to stand up and I didn't make a conscious decision, but all of a sudden I was standing Hmm. like I know that was not my own doing it because I had not seen that. I didn't notice any change in me throughout the week like i was still resisting it Mm -hmm. but i got really good at memorizing the bible verses so (laughs) (laughs) i had that going for me but it was overpowering and then i came back from that summer camp and i did get baptized shortly after that okay but I didn't even invite my parents to that. I didn't tell them until, like, the morning. Of them. I'm like, hey, I need a ride to this pool. And they're like, why? I'm like, oh, I'm getting baptized. No big deal. <laughs> but, yeah.
0: So I'm guessing that having that moment at that camp and be, and getting baptized, um, that probably didn't solve all your problems, right? Oh, <laughs> man.
2: A, I wish it did. Um,
0: <laughs> did Was there anything that... that uh, did change for you immediately and then I'm also curious after that what kinds of problems continued to stay or, or entered into your life after that
2: um, so I One that happened like I had just even just a small kernel of hope in me at all times, which I hadn't previously um, Felt mm. within and there wasn't a huge character shift right away Like I was still hanging out with really bad friends sure. just surrounded by terrible people in public school Um, (laughs) but I still struggled a lot, especially with self-harm, um, which I had been before I went to that summer camp. Okay. It did get a little bit better for a time and then it just hit me like a brick wall again. But I did have a lot of people around me through church, um, that just pursued after me and saw that hurt and brokenness was still continuing, but they didn't call me outright about it. They just... Like, if I lied and was like, oh, no, no, I was just trying to cut an orange and I cut the back of my hand, no big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they showed that they cared, but they didn't push it because they saw, like, I know I can't push myself past this moment. And they just kept on praying for me and just existing and giving me that space um, just to have that hope yeah. and to have that sense of I'm not going to be ridiculed for who I am or pushed away because of these small step-ups I've made. Yeah. It definitely did get easier, though, once I had found Jesus mm-hmm. in my life.
0: Did you think that was um, <clears throat> that was valuable, that they didn't push you, or do you, in hindsight, wish that they would have been more direct, or what? how do you, do you have any thoughts about that?
2: Um, for me, personally, I actually think it is big for us as Christians to not always just be sitting there preaching mm. and speaking out of the Bible, like, yes, definitely do that, but not 100% of the time. hmm Especially since that can just make us, someone who's like in that position, feel like they're being attacked or they're being put down because this other person's kind of like almost seems like they're putting themselves on a pedestal, which they're not. But it's just hard to feel that because it's harder to relate. Like we are all broken people. We should allow broken people to see our own brokenness and step down with them.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, Brene Brown has this amazing video about. Empathy, um, where it's literally someone just going down in the tunnel and just existing with them, just not saying, Yeah, that sucks. Hey, memorize this random Bible verse. Hey, blah, blah, blah. Like it does help to say, I'm praying for you. Here's this thing. Just knowing that Jesus is there. But the biggest gift that we have as Christians is to love one another. Mm. We don't always need to have the right words. We don't always need to. Like, be speaking from the Bible if we're letting the Holy Spirit guide our time with someone. Yeah. Sometimes that's even more impactful just because you're like, they're just trying to be my friend. They're just trying to love me, which is mm-hmm. obviously the biggest takeaway from the Bible is just love.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um, so, even though you had, I mean, you'd been dealing with enough already, uh, when you were in college, you as I understand it, had something terrible happen to you, Um, what can you tell us about what that was and the effect that it had on you?
2: Yeah, so um, when I graduated high school, I went to ASU and I was there for part of a semester and then I was raped in Mm. my own dorm room Mm. Um, and it just sent me spiraling, not only because of how awful rape is but also you have this happen in your place that you're supposed to feel safe and comfort and it just it wasn't safe it wasn't comfortable um I actually fell into like this trap of like suicidal ideation for a while um and had to get some help for that um what
0: is suicidal ideation?
2: so it's not where you're actually about to go and perform the acts but you're kind of like thinking how it would just be really easy to just fall off this bridge and just take away this hurt, take Mm. away this heaviness, make me feel like I'm not dirty and worthless Mm. and shameful. Um, So it's just (coughs) where you could easily veer into that, but you're Mm. still right on the line of I haven't tried anything. Um, Mm -hmm. But it it was definitely um biggest challenge i've had because then it threw my entire life course off track you know i was no longer on track to get a degree i had to withdraw from my first semester and then i tried to go back but i still saw that guy on campus all the time because the asu didn't do anything because mm-hmm. they didn't really care um mm-hmm. which just makes it way harder so i had to withdraw from the second semester um
0: So there was no justice in that?
2: No. No, there was not. Especially because he did come from, like, a really rich international student family, Mm. and ASU seemed to value money over someone's safety. Mm. Um, But it just... It was really hard. Like, I was just very empty for a long time, and I struggled with just seeing my worth and not just feeling ashamed every single time I looked in the mirror. Like, it was just a huge challenge. And I didn't want to come to church. Like, I got sent home. Like, they wouldn't let me live on campus after that happened either, which just was really rough, too. Wow. Um, like, they didn't let you? Yeah, they didn't let me. They're like, oh, well... Like, I come back from getting the treatment, and they're like, well, you have to move out within a week. Hmm. Like, oh, wow. cool. So you're dealing with all of this trauma you're dealing with. I would just spent a week in a hospital with these people that tried to touch me more inappropriately mm-hmm. um, and we're just like 40s and plus. So like no one that's even close to your age and just feeling comfortable. And then you get told you have a week to clean up all your stuff and go home to an environment that still wasn't the healthiest because mm-hmm. um, there was still a lot of tension with me and my mom um, at that time it was just a lot all at once. And I just, I don't know, I really pushed myself away from the church and people within the church.
0: Why do you think that was? What was the, what was the thing you didn't want that you thought you would experience at the church or with church people?
2: I mean, the biggest part is like kind of just the fear of judgment. Mm. And again, like kind of how I mentioned, there's that degree where you think, oh, this person has it together. You know their life's amazing. They never struggle with anything. They're just gonna think I'm a failure, mm. and just be like, how could you, like, allow this to change your thinking or whatever. Mm. Um, but I did still have a few people like pursuing me in that, even when I was trying to push them away, even when I didn't want to come to church because anxiety was so bad that I didn't want to be around other people because mm. that would have been. Way too much overstimulation. Um, But, like, I had people like Jennifer Reinhold. She's like, hey, if you come, like, just come sit in the cry room. It's quiet. It's secluded. Mm. You're not going to feel overwhelmed. And if you need to leave, you can leave very easily. So Mm
1: -hmm.
2: even when I was trying to push away, there were those people that just wouldn't wouldn't let me barricade myself off completely. They just were like, no, you're coming and doing this thing. Or I'm going to come and we're going to grab coffee or anything like
0: that. So there were people that you knew from the time you'd been at the church already that were kind of reaching out to you and pursuing you in one way or another. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Like friendships that you'd already had, or like, were. You, how did you run into Jennifer Reinholds? I mean, she seems to know everybody, and everybody <laughs> seems to know Jennifer. <laughs> so how are you seeing her?
2: I think I had been volunteering already in some degree. I don't remember where, because okay. I, I do have these giant holes in my memory from random places. Okay. Um, but even when I was in high school, I like served as like a Sunday school teacher. Okay. So I had one of your kids in my class at one point. Oh,
1: okay. Um,
2: cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't remember exactly... To which extent I had known her at that time, but she did pursue me. And then I had Hallie Carl, who was my high school small group leader.
0: Okay. And what um, did what did she do to reach out to you?
2: She just harassed me all the time. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. all, all out of love. I love her so much. <laughs> I am so, so grateful. But she just would text me um, all the time, and she just exist for me. Hmm. And I think because... I knew her before, like, when I was in high school and I had that connection and I had that safe place. Um, She was definitely one of those easier people for me to fall back within because I knew she wasn't doing things out of judgment. She had already seen me at one of my darker points when Mm -hmm. I was in high school.
0: Okay. Okay. So, she was, like, texting you, like, just, hey, how you doing? Or, hey, do you... I mean, like, what, what was the... I'm curious about, the if you remember the content, basically, the theme of her text. What generally was she saying?
2: I don't even remember, because, again, just okay. a lot of holes in my memory, yeah. but... um,
0: But she was just... Just the fact that she was contacting you, remembering you, and that that's kind of what you're talking about? When, yeah. when you talk about people pursuing you, that they were just...
2: Consistent.
0: Consistently yeah. being a presence in your life.
2: Yeah. Okay. They didn't let any of the hurt or darkness or any of my mean words about them or about myself or anything scare them away. Hmm. Um, I mean, I'm sure it did scare them to an extent, but <laughs> they were able to push through that awkwardness and just still pursue me because they knew that Jesus was pursuing me and they wanted to walk alongside me which Hmm. was just huge
0: what were you thinking if you remember about God during this time maybe during just before people like Hallie and Jennifer were pursuing you and as they were doing that were you having any thoughts about God or
2: um like even before all that stuff happened at college like in my semester there since I wasn't able to go to church because I was on campus no car um My relationship with God wasn't doing great Mm -hmm. at that point either. Um, I just remember being, like, very angry and, you know, that typical, like, why me? Like, why did you allow this to happen? Like, why did I have to go through this? Haven't I been through enough? Um, And just feeling very, very abandoned um, and just kind of hated by God, which obviously is not the case. But that's just where I was and just feeling just betrayed i think betrayal was probably a big feeling that i was having towards him Mm. um like it took me a really long time to even like turn on the radio to worship music again Mm. and of course when you finally turn it on it's when he hits you with just a super impactful song that's exactly what you need to hear Mm. but it was it was a struggle like i didn't want to think that he existed (laughs) i had um I have two tattoos in Hebrew that are two of his names from the Bible. And I was just like kind of looking at them. Like, why did I get these tattooed on Mm -hmm. me? Like how, why am I so stupid? Yeah. (laughs) Um, which obviously was perfect reminders because one of them is meaning the Lord who heals and the other one's the God of forgiveness. Mm. Um, so I was literally surrounded by that Mm. every day, even when I didn't want to acknowledge he existed. So Mm. it's powerful.
0: What, um, at some point in all this, as I understand it, you did start becoming um, more connected mm-hmm. to uh, the local church, which in this case was Red Mountain. Yes. Um, so, um, how did that come about? What What do you think kind of led to that transition of being more connected? And and who played a role in that? And what did what did they do? I mean, we heard about people like staying, you know, connected mm-hmm. to you, but I'm curious about what specifically you think led to that deeper connection to the church at some point.
2: I still can't even pinpoint it. Um, but Hallie, again, was a huge person that was just roping me back in and helping me get connected. Um, she actually paid for one of my Bible studies oh. um, back when I was first trying to come back, and it was the one about boundaries, which is mm. obviously very big on someone who's experienced trauma and mm. hurt. Um, so like even just things like that are people... Like, Bible study was probably a big one. Like, that's how I know a lot of the people I know at church now is I'm like, oh, yeah, I went to Bible study with them, like, three years ago.
0: Okay. What kind of Bible study? Was it a women's Bible study? The women's Bible study, yeah. Like, the Tuesday morning thing?
2: Yeah, it was the Tuesday mornings. Okay. Um, And even within that, like, I kept falling back off the radar Mm -hmm. um, periodically. But I had a few people that, like, I had been in, like, my high school small group with that... Just reached out and they're like, "Hey, do you want to come to this young adults thing? Do you want to do blah blah blah?" Um, and just encouraged me to like come back. And then eventually, my natural servant tendencies um, got me to be like, "Hey, you know, like I think I want to help at the coffee shop." Mm. So, I yeah, got I looked. remember,
0: I remember that now. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that.
2: Yeah, I, I think about that regularly. I still remember a few people's names from that as well. Oh, cool. And I'm like, I can't not remember things. It's awesome. <laughs> um, but just the random things like that, like. The Bible study and just having a chance to serve and get connected that way because the coffee shop was easy for me because I didn't have to exist and be vulnerable in a certain way. I had a job to fulfill hmm. and for me I'm just very work oriented um, so when you give me a task that I can throw myself into and then be kind and be connected and see um, all the beauties of community. That was exactly what I needed. Mm. Just because I didn't have to feel pressured. I was just like, oh, I just have to ring up these people at the coffee shop. It's fine. It's mm. great. I'm like, now I get to smile. I get to draw little Easter eggs on their cups. Yeah. <laughs> on Easter, obviously.
0: <laughs> hey, just all year round. Yeah, it's... all year round. <laughs> Easter eggs. <laughs> you said the you said the phrase the beauty of community. Can you bring any specifics to mind of what what when you say that? What is that? What does that mean?
2: man I cry about community all the time um it just the fact that like I even feel like this morning I was talking to someone I was like how much easier is it to pray for someone else than to pray for yourself Hmm. it's just so much easier to put that care in and just see that we are all interconnected and I See women that I haven't talked to in like a year, and they're like, Hey, how is that one thing that you were struggling with back then? I was mm. praying for you about it, and just the interconnectedness and just the compassion that we all feel for each other, and mm. just wanting to exist and share the joys, share the trials. And it's just, it's overwhelming.
1: Mm.
2: Like, I just love having the opportunity to sit in the women's Bible studies on Sunday mornings when I'm finished with my volunteers thing I'll usually hang out with like you um and like Heather Wanland and all that and just mm-hmm. kind of exist yeah in this place and just have a chance to not worry about yourself not get caught up in the material things mm-hmm. but just exist with other believers you know God loves and God's pursuing and just being able to even as you said, like just watched from a distance of like how God's working through them and just yeah. seeing how amazing it is. And sometimes getting to feel like you played a part in that yeah. is just very powerful as well.
0: Hmm. Um, you mentioned, it sounds like you kind of have figured out that you're wired to serve. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So where and why did you start serving at the church and, and what's that experience been like for you or what has it meant to you? Talk about that a little bit.
2: Yeah, so I have literally just always been like a volunteer. Like, that's just who I am. Like,
0: okay.
2: when I was bored in junior high, I'd go up to the front office. I'm like, hey, you guys need me to uh, deliver something to a classroom? I'm really bored. Oh, wow. Um, and then that transition to through the church. As I kind of mentioned, I was a Sunday school teacher when I was in high school or like a volunteer. I, I basically played with kids and sat with them and sat in chairs I didn't fit in.
0: Wow, Um, that is like, can I just tip my hat to you for spending any time with other people's children?
2: (laughs) Oh, and then I was a daycare teacher later on. The church kids are way better.
0: Oh, yeah? Okay. I mean, you didn't hear that from me, though. That's great. (laughs) Uh,
2: And then after I came back, I wound up at the coffee shop, just volunteering as a cashier there. Um, And that was just really nice as well, because Jennifer Reinholz also just knows that I am more of a servant hospitable Mm. person so she's like yeah yeah we're getting we're getting you this one (laughs) let's let's go back um and then i had work obligations so i disappeared for a while again and when i came back i wound up at the information table which is where i've been for the last few months just most people don't know where we are uh you walk in the door and it's hard right like you just basically turn around back at the door and there's a sign that says welcome Hit us up, we're awesome.
0: Yeah, do they still have that like mm-hmm. pamphlet library or pamphlet city set up where you like there's a whole bunch you can or what? Yeah, we okay. have
2: some of the pamphlets okay. over there and then some ministry stuff. It's awesome, but people just. <laughs> kind of forget we exist sometimes but i love it it's awesome but
0: you're there Um, when they need you and that's the important thing we appreciate that exactly um
2: and then even now this past sunday was actually my last day at the information table because i'm about to be starting as a junior high leader oh wow um so that's very exciting i'm very excited to get to know these upcoming seventh grade girls and their parents and just hopefully do even just a portion of what Hallie had done for me as my small group leader and just mm. exist and like I feel like if I'm not serving then I just I don't know it feels weird like mm. I have literally five badges of like volunteer badges in my car <laughs> and like a lot of them are outdated because of how long I've been doing this uh-huh. and I'm just like I, I just feel so much more connected and at peace when that name badge is on, I'm like, yeah, I'm here to answer questions. I want to be in community with you. I want to be here yeah. answering anything. Just I'm walking encyclopedia, so just hit me up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you really are. Bray <laughs> is... knows a lot of details about every, anything.
0: Are you a, you're a detail-oriented person? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a curse. <laughs> but we need detail-oriented people in this world. Yes. <laughs> I just need to sleep, too, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <So, laughs> Let's see here. What else did I want to cover? Um, are there any other experiences, either at Red Mountain or elsewhere, that have been valuable to you in helping to grow your faith um, and or your spiritual or emotional health?
2: Yes. Yeah, so um, through the church, I think twice, No, once. I don't know. They were able to help me get connected to a counselor. Okay. Um, which was huge. Um, for a while, I was on some like anti-anxiety medication and anti-depression, okay. um, which they worked as band-aids for a while when I was still struggling getting over those kind of addictive habits that come with self-harm and the suicidal ideation. Um, but after a while, for me personally, it just became really taxing, mm. and I just didn't feel like myself. So I. Mm. I did go off it and just kind of threw myself more into the community and like going to those women's Bible studies about like boundaries and just having that safe place to exist. Um, and then for trauma counseling, I did do this thing called EMDR. I can't tell you what it stands for, but basically you hold these little buzzies in your hand, and it's kind of like training your brain to rewire how you're thinking about certain situations. Um, So the church helped me set that up. Okay. So I'm very, very grateful that they did that. And it just took a huge weight of the trauma off me. Like, I could actually exist and felt like I could breathe for the first time in, like, four years. Mm. Um, And that was just very, very impactful. Like, I still can't believe it. Like, I... And once you got past that physical reaction to traumas and hurts, that's when you're able to more so go in and work on those spiritual and emotional responses to things. So Mm. I could be more in the community and I could focus more on reading my Bible and praying and thinking about these things that had hurt me Mm. without just breaking down and crying and having a panic attack. Mm. So it's, he gave me, God definitely gave me everything at the exact right moment that I needed it and built me up all of these skills and all of these support systems and all these coping mechanisms and strategies just to prepare me to grow until I got to a point where I needed to forgive people, which is, it's, that's a rough journey. It's a very rough mm. journey. Yeah. Mm. Um,
0: is there anything that you wanted to cover, Jessica, that um, I haven't?
1: Um, well, one thing that always, that, that fascinates me about you, Gray, is like, not only, like, you know, like, Peter, I remember kind of years ago when at church you would kind of be off on your own and, like, seemed to really struggle with entering in even to community and, mm-hmm. and like, not only are you so involved now and, like, serve in so many ways, but but you haven't been afraid to step in to, like, like bi- you know, women's Bible study especially years ago there weren't a lot of people your age
2: there Uh, still Mm. not many
1: (laughs) (laughs) um and like you know the the welcome table or whatever there's you know there's not a lot of your peers on that team and like even serving getting ready for communion and and like you just haven't been afraid to step into things that i feel like other other people like your peers maybe are a little bit so like can you say anything about why or like how, how you've been so just brave and just stepping into
2: things? (laughs) I mean, I don't know if I consider that bravery. I just kind of consider that normal at this point for myself. Um, I think for me personally, it's that when I was growing up, I did have a lot of periods of time where I was like only surrounded by people who were in like their 30s when I was like 10. So I was used to Communicating with people who are older than me and mm. having that perk. Um, but also, I just kind of have semi-recently officially adopted the motto of just embrace the awkward. Mm. You know, like, I had just convinced one of my very, very close friends to um, take over for me at the information table. And she's like, I'm just worried that, like, it's going to be awkward. It's going to be weird. I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm like, embrace the awkward, you know? Because that shows that you're human. Mm. Like, I don't know how many people are going to remember if I, like, said slightly the wrong thing. Like, did I say good morning when it's an evening or anything oh, yeah. like that? Or <laughs> did I say thank you for coming to Walmart when I was at the coffee shop because I was <laughs> so in work mode? <laughs> um, but it's just, we're going to exist and we're going to be awkward and we're going to make really stupid, like, word choices sometimes. Hmm. Um, but I also know being in a community of people who are not in your wheelhouse and who are not identical to you that's where you can grow the most like Hmm. i would like to think the women's bible study enjoys having me there um they they haven't told me they don't (laughs) (laughs) um but we all just have these huge different perspectives and different ways of approaching things like i go into bible study and i'll just be like hey guys did you know the word you was used in this 52 times? This is a very convicting passage in James. Mm. They're like, why? why, Just why did you choose to do that? (laughs) And then they'll give me more biblical context or more applications for later on in life. And if we aren't taking anything as a personal attack and, like, saying that we're learning something wrong, we can grow the most with people that are totally outside of our comfort zone. Mm. Like... I have so many friends that are just like completely different. Like if I walk in through church, like I'm going to see over a hundred people that I know on a fairly good level and none of them are going to be like, but they're all amazing and beautiful Mm. and they have just this heart for Jesus and just, for other people, and I love celebrating that, and I also love just matchmaking people as friends. Like, that's it's <laughs> my go-to. I'm like, hey, you guys, you should talk. You guys got a lot in common. <laughs> um, they're pretty resistant to that at first, but I'm working on it. <laughs> it'll, it'll be great. We're just going to make, like, dating profile. Okay. Like, it's like Friendster. Right. Where I'm like, you guys have this in common, and I just want to highlight that and highlight that we are all Interconnected, hmm. so loved, and so able to love. Hmm. That's just big for me.
0: I can, I, I, can already see the potential for what you, what good you will do, and how well you'll be positioned to do junior high ministry. I, mm-hmm. I'm so excited for you in that. That was so cool to hear. Um, so I'm excited to. To catch up with you, like in the lobby uh, during first service, you know, months from now or whenever we run into each other. I guess you won't be, you know, yeah, I won't be there, there anymore. I'll be
2: with my girls. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, well, whenever
0: we cross paths, I'll, I'll look forward to just kind of getting updates and hearing how that ministry is going. I'm yeah. excited to. Yeah,
1: what a cool small group leader <laughs> you're going to be. I would it's love to. Have you small <laughs> it's small just the tattoos. It's the That's the only reason
0: I'm cool. <laughs> and then we'll have you yeah, back. The we'll tattoos
1: have, help, yeah. We'll have
0: you back, like in five years or whatever, to talk about how you survived the, the nightmare. <laughs> (laughs) Of junior,
2: (laughs) or hopefully, one of my girls maybe is going to be able to share just the transformative power of community as well because it's such a gift, such Mm. a blessing.
0: Cool. Well, thanks for being with us and being willing to share your heart and especially your experiences, which I'm sure are not always the easiest thing to look back on. But uh, I think it's been really valuable for me, and I've really appreciated kind of finally getting to hear the story, you know, of what was going on, you know, in your life during that time. So thank you so much for doing this. It's been my pleasure. Okay, so that was, again, really cool to get all that background, hear all that story that I didn't know about before. What stood out most to you in our time talking to Gray?
1: Well, I love... I, I love hearing her articulate the the seasons that the the totally different seasons she's gone through spiritually. As far as like there have been these times where she's been really angry at God, and she's hated God, and she um, has experienced all kinds of resistance to Him, and and then you know through community, really interestingly to me she experiences him softening her heart over time yeah. and just that that process is so um encouraging to me uh i think it's so cool to hear to hear someone talk about that i feel like i can relate to that and um and and it is like an encouragement to me a little bit to hear how how God has used community and used things like bible study to actually facilitate that process of softening hmm. her heart to to hear from him again and um yeah cuz sometimes i i feel like i don't invite somebody to bible study or i don't reach out to someone to come to church or whatever because i know where they're at with the lord and i feel like oh well if that's where they're at, they would never want to come to Bible study. They would never be interested in Hmm, participating in something, you know, in the community or whatever. But, but that's not been the case for her. Like that's actually how God brought her back to him um, in all these different times. So that's really, that's really encouraging and interesting to hear about.
0: Yeah. A reminder not to assume that we know How people are going to respond to invitations? Yeah, you know. Yes. Yeah, I um, I also really took notice of how she talked about people just being a presence in her life, and how, you know, they didn't have to have all the right words. And in fact, it can go south if people try to have all the right words, Mm -hmm. you know. But they were just reminding her through texts, you know, or just saying hi or whatever, just these little invitations to, uh, you know, like Jennifer Reinholz inviting her to come to the service and trying to help facilitate that, given where Gray was at at the time, you know, not wanting to be maybe around other people and offering the cry room as a place to be, Mm -hmm. you know, um, but but I think uh, especially just being a presence, like just getting some texts now and then from people, you know, um, is that my dumb phone? Dang it! Oh, oh well. Um, that is, no, actually, that is the segue sound effect. For, yeah.
1: <laughs> we all know what that means.
0: That's right. <laughs> for the poll. Uh, the, <laughs> over at rmchurch.org slash podcast, um, we asked people what their favorite Easter candy was. 68% um, of you said Reese's eggs. I assume that's like the peanut butter cup ends. Yes. Uh, um, yeah, I would assume. Okay. <laughs> and then uh, 32% said Jelly bellies, Jelly Beans. Jessica, do you have a preference there?
1: Oh, definitely Reese's. Yeah. Yeah. Anything with peanut butter is going to way, way take precedent over any kind of candy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, when you put it with chocolate, I <laughs> yeah. mean, come on now, people. I, I don't know what happened. This must be different people voting because didn't we have a poll sometime where like people, oh yeah, they chose flowers over chocolate (laughs) what are they thinking Hmm. Uh, so we got i guess we got a different batch here Uh, um and then we also asked about the stations of the cross um which uh was this the second third year the third year wow okay awesome
2: yeah
0: um and we asked people, what, which station left the greatest impression on you? we got a number of responses here. Uh, one that said, station two, the fire pit, Peter denies, oh. Peter denies Jesus, um, because it made me think about the areas of my life I'd been denying Jesus. Hmm. Uh, station three, the purple robe and thorn crown, it made me realize I am so unworthy of Christ's sacrifice. Hmm. Um Yeah. Uh, station four, the cross fountain, seeing the blood and water poured out was sobering. Station eight, seeing so many signatures all saying my Lord and my God made me start to cry. The same God who loves me and saved me loves and saved all of humanity. Uh, seven, the, the fabric representing the disciples. I love the poetic side that they were all wrinkled, showing they were broken and flawed just like us. Um, the cross and the dark hallway with the Jesus is dead signs. Hmm. I found that striking too. Um, and the mercy seat with the angels in the tomb, but the jars for the burial hit me hard too, they say. Hmm. Um, so you kind of put these together and created these, but is there one that that stands out to you? That that just like seemed to be an idea that uh, you hit upon that maybe especially seemed... Um, uh, like motivated by the spirit, or maybe that to just you personally, because um, I'm I know you're seeking all those to be motivated by what the spirit is doing. But were there any that stood out to you maybe personally?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I think I I if I'm remembering right, none of the the previous years have we really emphasized the the burial process of Hmm. Jesus and because John really brings out how much Nicodemus bring, you know, how many burial spices and that whole thing. So, so this year we had an actual station for that and that really hit me this year. Just, just thinking, in fact, in fact, originally that station was just going to be the table that you saw. And as I, as I was imagining that and just feeling hit by that personally, I, I noticed that where we were going to put that station was right by this big curtain. Hmm. And I was, I was just struck by thinking about the finality of burying Jesus' body, walking away from the tomb and then having those days where Jesus is dead. And for some reason that was, that was hitting me and, and just the significance of that. And so so just the the idea came of like what if there was something added to this station that that forced you a little bit to to sit in that that's that period of death, yeah, and just the reality that that jesus yeah, that Jesus was dead, yeah, physically dead, not just like asleep or whatever. you know, not just
0: yeah,
1: he. He was unconscious for a while and then came back to life, you know, but was dead physically and like in the grave for three days. So, um, so I guess I'd say that one, that was kind of a moment with the spirit where I felt like the idea for the curtain was kind of a last minute one of like, what if we just pull this curtain Hmm. out and have people just walk through it and just see the words Jesus is dead Yeah, for those three days and just think about that a little bit. So. Yeah,
0: that was really striking to me. I mean, it really... Because it does have you... Even though it doesn't take long to walk down that hallway, um, it really had you sit in it. Mm-hmm. And the repetition of the phrase, Jesus is dead, Jesus is dead, Jesus is dead. I think that uh, we very quickly move in our minds to celebrate the resurrection.
1: Mm. And
0: so to have us sit in that for a moment and to just give us a a reason to consider what that must have been like to, you know, to, to just be hiding and cowering as as his disciples and just feeling nothing but defeat and confusion, Mm. you know, at that time. Um, So that, yeah, that was really cool. Mm. For me, the, the thing that Um, struck me that I wasn't expecting it to was the final um, station where we all were invited to write my Lord and my God Hmm. um, in uh, echoing Thomas's words. And uh, um, it was Thomas, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, someone commented on seeing all the, the words up there, and that wasn't what struck me. I think what struck me was when I actually realized that I was going to write it myself, you know, and yeah. that uh, it was kind of like that moment, you know, where Jesus asked, asked Peter, who do you say that I am, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and that was a similar moment for Thomas, you know, where he'd just been doubting and, and you know, just still sitting in the, the defeat of it all, and, you know, maybe not willing to dare believe that this could be possible, and then for him to just come to that uh, a, about face you know where he says oh man you are the opposite of what i was thinking moments ago you are my lord and my god you know mm. and uh, so it was striking for me to to physically make that confession you yeah. know myself mm. um, all right Well, that's it, I think, for this episode of Living Stones. You can follow Red Mountain Community Church at MyRedMTN on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also go online to rmchurch.org slash podcast to submit responses to our poll questions and leave questions for the guests featured on the next show. On our next episode, we'll be talking with Edgars Dexness. Dexness? Dang it! Edgars? Sorry, Edgars. Edgars (laughs) Dexness. Dang it. A (laughs) mission is a missionary that we support in uh, Latvia. Uh, Edgar's Dexnis will share about growing up apart from Christ, in Latvia, coming to faith and now responding to the call to spread the gospel in Latvia through Josiah Venture, for which he is now a primary leader. You can go online to rmcchurchorg podcast to submit your question for Edgar's, and you may just hear it read on the next episode. In the meantime, I'm Peter Franson. And I'm Jessica Garcia. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Sunday. Yeah, that was great.
2: I have yeah. no idea what I just said. Oh well, <laughs> <That's great. laughs> I do that. I like black out when I'm like praying or anything. I'm just like yeah. I have no idea. So I'm, like well, you said, it was this really one. good.